Many times we need to keep our health in check, but don't know what questions to ask or where to begin. We walk in blindly to our health care provider and walk out none the wiser and maybe even more confused than before. Can you take charge of your health and arm yourself with the questions and preparedness you need? The answer is yes. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. This program will answer your questions and give you the best practices for facing your medical partner in good health. Now, here's Dr. Susan Downs. Welcome to Occupy Health. This is Dr. Susan. We know that we have health challenges in this country and we want to work toward optimal health. We know we have to take proactive measures in lifestyle decisions. We have to eat a good diet. We have to exercise. We have to avoid toxins. It's important we get good sleep, exercise, manage stress, etc. But what about diet? Well, we know what we should eat, and we probably do pretty well until the chocolate and the cookies and the cake shows up, and then it's all gone. We feel bad, and this, and we try again the next day, and the cycle continues. What can we do about this? What can we do about these cravings? Robert Lustig said that corporations are involved in creating addictions. We get a dopamine rush, and he says the government enables them to do this. What do we do? You know, how do we fight these cravings? Well, today, hopefully, we'll get some answers. Our guest today is Julia Ross. She has combined 35 years' experience as a licensed psychotherapist with 30 years of pioneering work and the use of brain-targeted nutritional therapies to create a revolutionary approach in mood problems, eating disorders, and addictions. She's the author of the best-selling books, The Mood Cure, The Diet Cure, and now her recent book is The Craving Cure. This might help provide us some answers to what do we do about those donuts that keep calling us in the morning. This is all based on her work as a founder and director of several integrative treatment programs in the San Francisco Bay Area, which she's been doing since 1980. She currently directs the Julia Ross Virtual Clinic in association with the Neuronutrient Therapy Institute, NNTI, uh, if you want to know, uh, her intensive program training for health professionals. Her work has been featured in publications from Vogue to the Journal of Molecular Psychiatry, as well as online, on radio, on TV. You can find out more. You can see juliarosscures.com or her YouTube channel. Uh, and also her website is www.juliarosscures.com. Com. So welcome, Julia. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be with you. Well, I mean, you've got so much information. This could take so many shows. So, I mean, <laughs> um, so I let's already know I need to have you back. But let's, let's talk about your most recent book. What was your path in writing this book about what do we do about cravings and the donut rush in the morning? Well... I had already written two books that have continued to sell very well. Um, I, the second one's called The Mood Cure, and it focuses on some of the problems that people are having, especially post-COVID. Um, but I wanted to write a third book because the situation has deteriorated so seriously and so quickly uh, and by that I mean that um, degenerative disease epidemics have spread worldwide. Um, 
obesity is at epidemic rates worldwide. Um, And all of it is, you know, easily traced to what we've been eating worldwide, which is the the diet that was created by the junk food industry. Uh, By the way, uh, the junk food industry, the snack food industry was uh, started to be purchased by the tobacco industry starting in the 60s and uh, and then on into the 70s. So the point that I'm going to be making, you know, that I make in the book and that I hope I'll be making on this show is that we have been subjected to very um, carefully designed drug-like foods um, that cause a brain intoxication, which addicts us. And the more cleverly they have designed the food, the more uh, intractable has become our obsession with this kind of food. And we've lost our native appetite because of it. So the, the brain effects of the modern American diet that is now the modern world's diet uh, is really uh, 60% nutrient void, so we don't have the nutrients that it takes to make us uh, feel healthy, have healthy appetites and healthy weights, um, and the foods actually have drug-like effects that diminish our capacity to control our own appetites and our own moods. Um, so uh, it's a huge uh, and deadly dynamic, um, and as I've mentioned several times, worldwide. Uh, and I felt that it, it called for a new book, which I called The Craving Cure, and I don't use the word cure lightly at all. I've been using the techniques that the book is all about, all of my books are all about, for over 30 years with thousands of people. And the results are not vague, like generally they do better. No. Generally, their cravings for uh, these toxic snack foods disappears. And the results are evident within five minutes. So I'm not talking about something vague that might work for some people and not others. I'm talking about a universal phenomena that affects all of our brains in certain very specific and well-recognized areas that are corrected by a few brain-targeted neuronutrient precursors. This is really exciting. Sorry, what? This is really exciting because Robert Lustig has said that corporations were involved in creating these addictions. I mean, even Facebook and how they time the dings to get us addicted. And he also states the government enables them to do this. And, as you, you know, it just uh, it sounds crucial. So you're saying that this problem got worse since COVID when people were uh, confined to their homes? Yes. Uh, and and the, one of the reasons is that um, the same neurotransmitters the, that transmit um, normal appetite for healthy foods also 
are intended to transmit normal moods and the capacity to deal with stress and emotional pain, uh, lack of focus, and all of that um, is the, the purview of these powerful, but, you know, just a, literally a handful, four neurotransmitters. Uh, all of them also dependent on the uh, blood sugar levels in the brain, which is very fragile, uh, very easily disturbed. Um, so, so we can't um, really expect ourselves to just turn away from these foods that are so cleverly designed and potent. Um, we have to be able to reach into the brain, into those five areas, and nourish them back to health. So we're talking about a pretty simple nutrient deficiency condition that causes the kind of cravings that we can't turn off. So you're saying this is not mind over matter or willpower. This is something chemical that they've got us by control. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is, this is really biochemical victimization. Uh, this is uh, breaking and entering into the brain, you know, in secret, and at the same time blaming us for eating their products. You know, the, the common line up until very recently was, well, we don't make them eat this food, but now there's proof that they do make us eat this food because they alter our brain chemistry and through this think- dairy food. Do you think this is deliberate? And if so, why? Well, um, I know it's deliberate. Um, and uh, when we were talking about uh, this interview, I was telling you about um, something that I um, describe in The Craving Cure, and that is the conversation that I had after my first book came out. I mean, weeks after my first book came out um, with a representative of the uh, largest uh, children's cold cereal company in the world uh, who who said that he had a question for me, but before he asked the question, he wanted to just admit a few things so we didn't have to argue about them. We could get right to the point of his question. And he proceeded to tell me, uh, we, we use uh, damaged starches because we can't make these cute shapes and so forth without damaging them. We use damaged oils that are very inexpensive. Um, we um, increase the amount of sugar on a very regular, thought-out uh, schedule, um, and we market heavily to children. So um, that's as good as it gets, although uh, the, uh, the head of the FDA um, who himself had a, a overeating and weight problem, uh, wrote a book called The End of Overeating, in which he, that was in uh, 2010, in which he exposed all of this. Um, and, you know, good for him, but um, the addiction was already ingrained in us and in many generations now, starting in the 1970s when our diet really changed and refined carbs took, you know, first place uh, among the foods that we were eating for the first time in human history. Wow. Uh, And uh, I understand that your approach through the use of amino acids can uh, 
combat this assault on our brains and turn us around fairly quickly so we can get on a healthy path. Is that correct? It's correct. And uh, most of the people listening to this are going to think, oh, that's ridiculous. That can't possibly be. Um, And I'm here to testify. I didn't believe it either, uh, but um, I was running a program uh, that was treating addiction and eating disorders and getting nowhere um, until I found out about the use of these handful of targeted amino acid uh, supplements. So what are amino acids? So amino acids are the constituents of protein. Uh, So there are 20 of them. And between them, in all kinds of combinations, uh, they create, you know, every, every cell in the body, really. Um, along with, of course, water uh, and uh, fat and then <clears throat> glucose to burn to keep these cellular structures in motion. So it's really pro means primary. So protein really is the primary food. It can be converted into glucose if necessary, um, but its uses are, you know, really almost infinite uh, but in the brain, the uses are very, very simple. So we've got four neurotransmitters, and each one of them uh, can be corrected by one amino acid, one of the 20. And, wow. the, yeah. and the effects are almost immediate. Within five minutes, we do, we do amino trialing. So first we identify which area of your brain is deficient, which, which area of your brain is controlling your appetite in a destructive way? Um, and probably um, diminishing your sense of well-being in general. Um, and we have a very simple five-part questionnaire that's based on neuroscience. Um, and so is the precursor therapy. Neuroscience discovered the neurotransmitter dynamic in the brain and early on identified that these neurotransmitters were made out of very simple proteins. So this is not something that I discovered um, or that's mysterious. You know, it's basic brain biochemistry. And these amino acids are available in, you know, anywhere that uh, supplements are sold, which is, you know, everywhere on the Internet and lots of stores. Um, And they only need to be taken short-term, the, the brain deficiencies are corrected, and uh, the diet just naturally becomes healthful again. And when I say that, I think it's really important because this country is, I would say, uh, irrational, sort of uh, almost insane on the subject of experimental diets and has been for decades and actually uh, over 100 years we've been experimenting in spite of the fact that our health, our weight, our moods, our sleep, and so forth, were uh, quite stable and healthy right up until after the 1970s when the diet really shifted. Um, And all of the problems that we're having now have come on very, very fast and have everything to do with the fact that we're not eating traditional foods. So traditional foods are not perfect in the 50s, we were eating sugar. We started eating cold cereals. But 
We were eating three meals a day and healthy snacks. And our, you know, our moods, our weight, our health um, was infinitely better than it is now. So you've got uh, this fantastic approach to address how they've hijacked our brains and through uh, finding out which part of the brain has been hijacked and not functioning, uh, a quick fix with a specific amino acid group can fix this. So I understand you broke down the categories into depressed, crashed, comfort, stressed, and fatigue. Are those the main categories you have that uh, you address each one? And I understand you've got a questionnaire to sort out which one are you. Are you suffering from depressed? Are you just crashed without any energy you know, and you're fatigued? You eat for comfort, you eat for stress, etc. So well, can you give I think the listeners some to... hints what they might be able to take home so they can maybe start experimenting on their own particular situation? Well, the questionnaire is on the uh, website as well, of course, as, as it leads the book. Um, but what's important here is that we're talking about five types of food craving or junk food craving. Um, not, it's not really food that we crave uh, at the moment. Um, so we can have deficiencies in any one of the five areas that control our appetite uh, or all of them. So everybody's different, and that's why we have, been able to put together this very reliable question that we've used in thousands of people for, you know, about 30 years. Um, and it's one page, basically, and it takes, you know, just a few minutes to fill out, and then you have an idea of what you're up against. Um, so that's the diagnosis. The next step is, what do we do about it? And uh, so uh, let's talk about... Um, Probably the most common type of of, uh, junk food craver is the comfort craver. So that's somebody whose endorphin function is reduced, who does not get the pleasure, joy, fun uh, out of life that we were really designed to have on a regular basis. Um, And those people uh, who need to raise their endorphin levels um, are very obvious by their symptoms. Um, they're typically very sensitive. They tend to tear up easily. Um, they're definitely going after the food um, as their best friend, you know, for, for comfort and joy. Um, and so when they get in this, what I call an endorphin intoxication, um, they get an overload of, of endorphin briefly after they eat these, you know, drug-like foods. Uh, and then uh, deficiency condition sets in and they start craving it again. So uh, one of the reasons I'm thinking about this is because um, you've talked about the YouTube channel. Um, we have a series of recordings that we're putting up on the YouTube channel, and we hope to get maybe 100 of them. Um, we have three now, and we're just uh, going to post a fourth um, this week. Um, so... If people go to Julia Ross' YouTube channel, they will see um, what I'm calling reality research in these episodes that show people actually identifying which 
areas of their brains need attention, need to be re-regulated. Um, and what nutrient will accomplish that? And then they're shown taking the nutrient and what their response is within five minutes. So that people can, you know, get some sense of, you know, this is reality. This is not, you know, Julia Ross's fantasy. Um, and it's very easy for people to test for themselves um, once they filled out the questionnaire. So in the case of a comfort craver, um, the, um, the volunteer that, that did the, the amino acid trialing um, took one of two, there are two options in this category, uh, and this particular supplement is a combination of two forms of the amino acid phenylalanine, the D form and the L form. Uh, and she was craving chocolate for comfort. She, uh, not chocolate, yes, uh, and coffee, the, the warmth of the cup. Uh, she, she liked the energy and the focus, but the main thing was the comfort, getting her through her day, which was very long and very challenging. Um, she was also um, addicted to crunchy carbs, especially in the afternoon and evening, so she had a three-way addiction, which is, of course, very common. And uh, so I'm very pleased that we have somebody that we can show um, being relieved of these cravings in five minutes and um, some details about them. She talks about herself. She happens to be a registered dietitian struggling with these things, struggling to help her clients, of course, um, and uh, at the end, um, we quote her in an email that she sent us a month later, you know, that everything is held. And that's the other important thing. Some things, you know, you could say, well, oh, they work for five minutes, but are they going to work for five years? Um, and we can, we can definitely say that um, whatever kind of craver you are or combination of kinds of craver, uh, your brain has has forced on you, whatever kind of cravings your brain is forced upon you um, under the influence of these toxic foods, um, you can escape it, you can escape it quickly and um, permanently. So, so you were talking about taking, the other types uh, of craving. So how long would you take the D and L phenylalanine alanine, uh, if you've got a comfort craving? Well, uh, it depends on you. That's why we start with, with uh, we like to start, we always do it at my virtual clinic um, where, you know, we've got craving coaches who've been working with this um, therapy for years. Um, we, um, we start by sending people a trialing kit so they have samples of all the aminos they might possibly need to trial with, and then we go over their, their questionnaire with them and identify which ones they should trial first. And in the case of Leslie, uh, who's on the YouTube, um, this this was what she needed to trial. And one capsule, you know, she needed a whole capsule um, to get the effect. And what she did afterwards that she reported a month later was she took one capsule twice a day and um, was free of the cravings, um, totally free of the cravings uh, the entire time. 
and a kind of anxiety she wasn't even really aware of that she thinks may have been caused by the amount of coffee she was drinking. Yeah, it is my experience that I get away from the cravings totally, but then if I get into a little bit of sugar and stuff, this thing starts all over. So I would imagine that you know when it's when you no longer have the craving, if you do the wrong thing, the craving can return because the food is programmed to do that. Is that correct? Yes. So uh, the important thing is to um, be aware that you're starting to crave again. So let's say you're not particularly drawn to a dessert, but it's, you know, a family occasion or whatever, and so you have some. And you don't overeat it, and it doesn't even taste all that great, but you find yourself over the next few days thinking about sweets again, and you haven't for, you know, let's say several months. Um, That's the time where you go back to your questionnaire and you find out which part of my brain is, is talking to me right now, what, which part of my brain needs some attention. And um, one, of the, one of the other very common types of craving is um, the low serotonin um, depressed craver. And by that I mean someone who um, tends to be depressed, uh, sorry, uh, pessimistic, um, and fearful and worried, obsessive, um, just, you know, the, the glass is half empty. Um, and for that kind of a person um, who's low in serotonin, the cravings tend to be worse at the end of the day because serotonin levels do drop naturally uh, at the end of the day because they convert into gradually uh, over the afternoon and evening. They can convert into um, an, an amount of melatonin that will get us to sleep. So serotonin is magic for mood, for craving, and appetite, and for sleep. And it's the easiest amino acid not to get enough of uh, in our diet. Uh, and oh, particularly a vegetarian or vegan diet, which is almost void. For example, um, all of the vegan uh, protein powders, the pea protein and so forth, uh, except that oh, there's, there's some tryptophan in soy, but, um, and there's plenty of tryptophan in whey protein, but the other protein powders are completely void of tryptophan. So um, it's very easy for us as we reduce the amount of protein that we eat um, and... Most people are doing that because red meat is, has got this terrible name, even though it was the food that uh, sustained the human race, you know, for most of the last, what, seven million years. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of glamour associated with the vegan and, and ethical value um, associated with the vegan diet. And what we would forget is that we're animals ourselves and uh and we're omnivores that means we need both animal and vegetable uh foods um so back to serotonin it's very easy for us to to get low in this and so uh the low serotonin people do tend to be negative um and fearful and they um do tend to crave in the in late afternoon and the evenings 
and specifically carbs. Um, not so much the fatty foods, but, but the uh, starches uh, and or sweets. And we've got two options there, too. There's tryptophan, which is, you know, the direct precursor, uh, and 5-HTP, which is another direct precursor to serotonin. Both available as supplements, readily available. Both take effect immediately. So typically a low serotonin person um, is really in trouble in the late afternoon at work or right after work, and that's when they take their supplements. They take them in the afternoon and and uh, in the evening. So they're covered at their vulnerable time. And that's the end of not only that type of food craving, but that style of mood uh, that, you know, can just, uh, it's so common. You know, it's, it's the, serotonin is the target of, of so many of the antidepressants. Um, they don't do, you know, a very consistent job, but they're targeted at the right thing, which is our sagging serotonin uh, function. Wow. Tell us about some of the other parts of the brain that this food is hijacking. Well, let's take our natural tranquilizer, GABA, short for gamma aminobutyric acid. So uh, GABA's job is to suppress adrenaline, um, and that allows us to relax um, physically and mentally. And uh, the, the, probably the, the one word... Uh, describing the, the most common um, negative mood state that people are in since COVID particularly is stress. But we also need to keep in mind that, that stress has been increasing, overstress has been increasing for decades. Uh, the World Health Organization before COVID uh, said it was, you know, the, the, the second or third cause of um, of uh, work uh, problems, you know, um, disability. Um, so this is another very vulnerable area, and particularly under the, the you know the constant stress of of COVID and its various facets. Um, so. Somebody who is low in GABA, their natural tranquilizer, will be um, easily uh, alarmed and chronically stressed and have difficulty literally physically relaxing, carries the tension in the neck and the shoulders, um, and so is very aware of this. Um, and about 70% of people who are overstressed will overeat uh, because of it. There are 30% or so stressed that they can't eat. I think we can all identify at some point with having had that kind of stress. But um, so it's a big problem in terms, a potential problem in terms of uh, of overeating toxic foods. And that particular kind of vulnerability, um, the deficiency in our natural tranquilizer, is very easily um, corrected because we have access to GABA itself as a supplement. turns out GABA is an amino acid as well as a neurotransmitter. It doesn't even have to be converted. Um, 
and we really like the um, sublinguals that are readily available um, uh, for GABA because they, they dissolve in the mouth and get right into the brain. Um, as a matter of fact, we do all of our amino acid trialing with the powders. We op- have our clients, you know, on Zoom open up the um, capsule in a little water, swish it around in their mouths for a while, and then swallow it. And that's how we get that um, impact in five minutes. So with GABA, people are chewing this peppermint-flavored thing, and um, we have several people on the YouTube um, channel who are demonstrating the effects of, of GABA, which are, you know, almost immediate. Um, so that one's easy. Not only does the stress reduce, we get we can relax, we sleep better, um, but the kind of cravings that the stress generates, you know, we people eat to stop the stress briefly um, because these foods are targeted to these various areas of the brain. They will reliably reduce the stress temporarily. Um, so now we have the real deal, the food, the protein that the brain needs to allow us to relax. And then there's the... Um, the uh, amino acid solution uh, to um, the fatigued craver who uh, tends to be uh, draggy most of the time, especially mentally, difficulty concentrating. Um, and uh, with that kind of a craver, you know, it's, there's usually um, caffeine or chocolate involved in the cravings. And... Um, it can be very difficult, you know, even a lot of people really try to get off of caffeine and can't because of the headaches as well as the cravings. But um, when they use the brain's natural caffeine, which is a, an amino acid called tyrosine, the cravings for the caffeine disappear. I have so many stories, you know, of people who really couldn't get off, um, who easily uh, pass up uh, the caffeine uh, and or the chocolate. Um, and I was saying earlier that chocolate will stimulate endorphins. Well, uh, caffeine can too. But for caffeine, the big target is 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 the um, dopamine and norepinephrine, you know, the, the energy-generating uh, neurotransmitters. So taking tyrosine, which converts into these energy bombs, naturally, um, eliminates that difficulty, you know, with energy and mental focus, um, again, pretty immediately. And so, you know, we can step away from them. One of the reasons we don't like caffeine is that uh, it raises blood sugar and then it crashes down and we don't, you know, especially, you know, the majority of people are drinking caffeine in the morning and not eating anymore. You know, if you have a cup of coffee with food, that's one thing. But instead of food, uh, it's a disaster because we lose a third of the nutrients for the day that we need. Um, We really were a three meal a day culture uh, going way back. And no one would consider up until the 70s uh, missing a meal. It just, it, it couldn't happen. 
uh, and it kept us so strong and stable. So getting rid of the caffeine or certainly cutting way back so that it doesn't interfere with, with any, you know, feeding uh, is, is terribly important. And, and tyrosine is our champion uh, when it comes to correcting the brain levels of this um, stimulating, naturally stimulating neurotransmitter. So what and haven't we covered? Let's say we've covered... I th- what is a crash? Is there a type called crashed? Crashed. So this is ter- a terribly important one. Um, and it's important um, because what, I'm refer- what I refer to when I talk about a crash craver is I'm talking about somebody who, who becomes hypoglycemic. Um, and it's a particular kind of craving when you haven't eaten... Uh, anything of substance or nothing at all. Um, there's a state that you drop into, the hypoglycemic state, where you know you're stressed, you have a hard time focusing, you have a headache. There are uh, you know about 30 different negative um, sensations and moods that you can experience when your blood sugar drops, um, you know, too deeply and for too long, um, and the solution to it, the immediate solution, is some sugar. Um, and, of course, that just keeps the cycle going so that the blood sugars rises very high and then it crashes again when the insulin is released in, you know, because it's alarming to the body to have so much sugar. So why is this a brain problem? You know, we think of hypoglycemia, diabetes, you know, blood sugar problems that are systemic. You know, the, the whole body is suffering and it's true, the whole body is involved when, when blood sugar either crashes or rises too high. But the brain is especially vulnerable because we don't, there is no storage of glucose in the brain. So even though we have these trillions of cells operating all needing their supply of glucose to keep going and their supply of the amino acids to, to have adequate cells to begin with, um, we, uh, we just um, can't uh, access the glucose if our diet isn't really strong. We're going to have these periods where we haven't eaten or we haven't eaten anything but starch um, and sugar. Um, and so the brain goes into these sort of um, crisis periods where blood sugar isn't available and, and levels drop too low, and then we start craving the junk and we're off and running again. And so here we have a precursor to glucose, um, and it's the amino acid called glutamine, which the brain and, and body cells too, but the brain cells in particular use it because it can convert into exactly the amount of glucose they need, they need. Instead of, you know, having a big serving of sugar, um, which overloads the brain and body with, with, uh, with glucose and calls out the insulin, which then removes it and stores it as fat, um, we've got um, a very sensitive... Uh, refueling system. So people typically will carry glucose, who have this hypoglycemic crash type of craving, 
um, will typically carry capsules of it with them and open the capsules in their mouth because it's very pleasant tasting. And immediately that hypoglycemic state of, of uh, overstress and headache and so forth and the cravings completely disappear. So it's like their emergency stash. Let's say they forgot to take it. Um, typically a hypoglycemic person would take it three times a day, um, one to three capsules for a while until they get stabilized and their cravings are gone and their diet has um, has improved effortlessly, I might add. So that's this is a, the secret. This is amazing. Cravings. That is a very quick, easy way to undo the hacking of our brains that we can uh, get rid of these cravings and, you know, have more control over what we put in our mouths. That's very exciting. Now, in your book, you mentioned glucose, as we all know, is addictive and that the French study found sugar to be twice as addictive as cocaine. And they found saccharin was just as addictive. Is fructose addictive? Fructose is about 10 times more addictive than glucose. Yeah. Wow. So, and, and that, that explains an, a great deal about why I keep saying it started in the 1970s. Um, I was there, you know, I, I was a witness. I, as a child, you know, I, I witnessed the 50s, I witnessed the 60s, and, and then I witnessed this complete dietary uh, revolution um, in the negative sense. Uh, uh, we quit eating protein, uh, we quit eating fat, <clears throat> healthy proteins, healthy fats, and focused on carbs. They seem to be the only safe food, um, but they're also the most addictive. And the key here is that the carbs changed. The reason that they became so addictive, so much more addictive than they had been, was because uh, fructose free fructose um, uh, what became available. You know, it was, it was invented. Um, it was manufactured out of corn. It was actually manufactured out of glucose derived from corn um, so that they had this, so suddenly this incredibly concentrated, much sweeter and more addictive substance um, to add to everything um, so that now... Um, things that used to be uh, just glucose or glucose bound to fructose so that it wasn't the only kind of sweetener um, and it took a while to process. <clears throat> now we have the free fructose and and by that I mean not only high fructose corn syrup uh, but um, agave syrup is even higher in fructose than corn syrup typically. And, and then we have fruit syrups, which are also higher in fructose than, um, than the high fructose uh, sweeteners tend to have, the, the corn-based ones. Um, so, uh, you know, whether we're health-oriented or not, we've got loads of fructose, and it's, it's, it's really been deadly. So just to make it on this, just to make it clear what? to the audience, we're talking about high fructose corn syrup and agave and fruit syrups, or even worse. Now, uh, Robert Lustig told me that he had talked to Obama's cook, 
And the Bahamas are very aware of the problems of high fructose corn syrup, but couldn't do anything because of the corn growers. Also, um, there's a, one county in Texas that did not use high fructose corn syrup in their Dr. Pepper, uh, or the other counties did. And this county that did not use it had a very, much lower rate of diabetes. I mean, uh, fructose... Oh, I didn't know that. That's a fascinating story. Uh, check out my movie, The Big Secret. It's in there. It's on YouTube. Okay. Um, but, you know, so fructose, even in, I mean, you know, I know from fruct, excess fructose, you can get glycation. I mean, you glycate the sugars and you change the chemical and it really causes a lot of problems in our vessels and sets us up for diabetes. We can get oh, body, well, yeah. How about liver disease, disease yeah. uh, malabsorption, you know, things, arthritic, digestive, respiratory and depressive conditions, all sorts of problems from high fructose corn syrup. Uh, but what about the fructose and fruit? I mean, in moderation, I guess we can have some fruit. Well, the 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 problem is that we've been immoderate for so long when it comes to fructose that when people come to us um, because we can eliminate the craving for it, it's not a big deal for us to say, why don't we skip fruit for a while? Because there's plenty of free fructose in in most fruit. Um, that's why apple juice and pear juice, you know, are um, are used because they're so high in fructose so yeah. and they're concentrated. So we just um, ask people uh, for a while to eliminate fruit and, and then to, um, you know, really limit it. And if they find themselves wanting more than, a, you know, a piece of fruit, or two, depending, you know, like we've got people who are very athletic and um, they really, you know, you know, in the middle of a soccer game, for what, you know, for example, um, a piece of fruit can be life-saving. Um, but uh, we just like to be people to be very careful about it because fructose is so addictive, you know, and you can get sucked in. We had a client who came to us who never ate sugar. She never had high fructose corn syrup in any form. But uh, she was uh, very close to full-blown diabetes. She'd been pre-diabetic for several years. And all she ate, almost the entire content of her diet, was fruit. And she was, you know, diabetic, basically, because of it. So we have to be very careful with it because we've unleashed a monster. And all of us, you know, have to be aware of that so that if, our cravings increase, we go back and take a, some aminos for a bit and get back into uh, a natural state of, of appetite. Again, I'd also so like to point craving. out that artificial sweeteners are a problem because I understand sucralose uh, was in, initially insecticide and aspartame is a neurotoxin. I mean, initially uh, what I've been told is the FDA was going to sue them because they were hiding various cancer data, but then Donald Rumsfeld was paid to get the FDA to approve it, and apparently it was turned down when the FDA voted on it. So I understand Donald Rumsfeld put an extra person on that committee, there was a tie, and then he got the person at the top of the FDA to approve it. Now, a couple of years ago, all the beverages in the hospital I was working in had aspartame in it, and I've seen it in Europe as well. Um, and this is a neurotoxin, and it can be carcinogenic. I mean. And we're all drinking that, thinking it's healthy. 
Well, the, 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 you know, it's very clear that the consequences are um, almost identical, in some cases worse, in terms of um, of weight and degenerative disease um, for people who have, you know, been pre- exclusively diet soda consumers. Um, and so they're addicted to it, you know, and that's because of its brain effects. And we can use the amino acids to break that addiction, too. What about stevia? Uh, you know, um, <laughs> there's, I don't see any, uh, any research that really helps me in terms of how it affects the brain. Um, but we know it's sweet, and uh, a sweet taste does have a particular effect typically on the brain. So we, you know, we tell our clients, let's just get rid of the, you know, obsession with sugar in any form. And because the amino acids eliminate the craving for it, they don't miss it. You know, people who, who get, you know, dependent on, on stevia, you know, are, are really, you know, fighting an addiction. And they're using a different drug to do it, whereas the aminos will rescue them from the whole process of overstimulation of these pleasure centers, whether by, you know, um, a suite that has calories or one that doesn't. I would like you to use, I mean, I want to make sure I cover the topics that you find important. We probably have about five, six minutes left. Are there any particular topics you would like to address or do you want me to keep asking you questions? Well, let me see. I think I've... um... We can talk about the other addictive... Substances like milk and you know low fat uh, you know you know we can talk about uh, and gluten containing grain sure. well gluten um, we discuss uh, many times and that is a real problem because we can't totally digest it and if we have undigested proteins they through a leaky gut get into the blood system it starts antibodies it starts autoimmune disease you get molecular mimicry so these antibodies are attacking your tissues. Gluten well, that's all is very, a real problem. That's all very terrible. But if you don't, if you can't stop eating it, you're in trouble. And if you switch over to the gluten-free products, they cause exactly the same kinds of degenerative disease that um, you know gluten-containing starch does. So we've got to get away from it altogether um, if we're sensitive to it. And the only way to find out is to stop eating it and see if we feel better. And then at some point to reintroduce it and see if we feel worse. But so, what is it about wheat that is so compelling? You know, why is bread such a thing? You know, <laughs> uh, bagels, uh, whatever. Even without the sugar, and certainly, you know, dough of all sorts, you know, with added sugars and so forth, is irresistible. So, but there's something about gluten that is um, addictive in a very specific way. And it's very well known, it's been known for decades, and that is that uh, gluten uh, raises endorphin levels because it plugs into, it's, it's actually the other name for gluten is uh, gluteomorphin. So the morphine, uh, morphine uh, f- dynamic is that it plugs into the endorphin receptor sites. And so we get a very pleasurable experience, uh, briefly. Um, 
but it keeps us wanting more. And so for somebody who craves doughy stuff, uh, the the important thing is that is to get that comfort craver um, uh, problem corrected using um, the uh, D-phenylalanine or DL-phenylalanine, uh, which raise endorphin levels so that we don't need the gluten to do it. And by the way, there there are a lot of people who are addicted uh, to uh, milk products, and and one of the proteins in milk, uh, casein, uh, has another name, a casomorphin. Uh, And those people have the same kind of thing. The the casomorphin plugs into the endorphin receptor and gives us a pleasure high and then uh, sets up cravings for more. And by uh, raising our endorphin levels with the amino acids and starting to uh, and, and eliminating these foods, um, we can uh, be freed of those particular kinds of um, intoxications. So low fat uh, is 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 that more concentrated in milk, sugar, and casiomorphin? Yes. Definitely, yeah. Where, where, they, where they take out the fat, the the uh, milk sugars and the milk proteins um, are more concentrated. What about A2 milk? Uh, you know, it's not an addiction deal, but uh, I haven't seen enough people who um, used it to be able to say whether, you know, it, it made a difference. What about raw milk? In terms of addictiveness, no. You know, raw milk is is loaded with casein. Um, but uh, in terms of its health properties, um, it's certainly superior. But we're yeah, I'm told about it's the only food that we're, has all the enzymes that can, you can, it needed to digest it. So, anyway, we've got like two minutes left. So, what final points would you like to make? Uh, re, you know, talking about your website. What are the final take-home points you want our listeners to have? Well, to to, to recognize that their attachment to foods that they know are damaging is not their fault. They really are the victims of uh, brain chemistry manipulation. And that manipulation can be corrected, and the correction is easy to identify. You know, what do I need to stop my cravings? Simple things um, that respond very, very quickly and thoroughly to the simple use of some targeted nutrients. So to find out about it, you've already mentioned the website. We've talked about the YouTube channel, um, and we've. You know, I, I run a virtual clinic for food cravers, so um, the website covers it all. And I also train health professionals um, in in the use of these things. So how do they clients. get a how do they get a hold of you? The website. Okay. Uh, Info, info at cravingcure.com. But go to the website, uh, juliarosscures.com. Okay. Uh, well, um, 
we've got a few, a few seconds left. Any final words? Um, and before we sign off? Um, just please pursue it, whatever's easiest for you. Maybe start with the YouTube to be convinced that real people experience this kind of transformation. It's not too good to be true. Wow, it does, it does sound too good to be true, that we, uh, our hot brains are hijacked by corporations with a, a wink, wink from the government, and we can turn this around very quickly with a very simple, healthy solution of a particular amino acid, which uh, Julia has found quite successful through her years and decades of work in uh, diets and uh, cravings and addictions. So... Please, folks, you read, learn more about this. Check out Julia Ross's website. Uh, share this with your friends and colleagues, and you know, always work with your doctor. And above all, be well. Thank you for listening. Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to better health for you this week.